Hey listeners, thanks for dropping in. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. Welcome back to Buried Motives. We're glad you're joining us for another week, and we really hope you checked out last week's episode with Kim Toller. How did you guys like that? Yeah, let us know under Dustin's case if you like the collaborations. That is definitely something that we can look at doing more of this year. How many of you have broken your New Year's resolutions already? We're three weeks in. And I have already done that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully your 2022 is going well. You just keep resolving to do better every day. Actually, Melissa walked in and I gave her some water. (laughs) I had forgot mine at home. She did. But I got you, girl. (laughs) So let's get into today's case. Have you ever come across a case where you wondered who the victim was? Oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, even in the case that I'm going to cover next week, I go back and forth between feeling like this woman is a crazy murderer to maybe she's kind of a victim. It pulls on your heartstrings when you can have compassion for the murderer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even while I was researching my next case, I was feeling like, am I wrong to feel some compassion for her because she did murder people? And did such awful things. Yeah. So she is a woman who did dirtbag things, but you can kind of start to understand why she did those things. That's true of today's case as well. Well, I'm excited to hear it. It's funny how we sometimes pick cases that go kind of together. I know. You would think that we plan that, but we don't. We're just so in tune with each other. Yeah, we're right in sync. Mm. And maybe that needs to be addressed. That's something we need to talk and get out of our system for a couple of weeks. And then we can move on to the next subject. Or what's happening in our lives that we're both picking cases <laughs> where... We just didn't make it through the holidays. <laughs> we're feeling extra compassionate towards people. Is that what? Or we're feeling victimized and like angry at the world right now. <laughs> and we want justification to do bad things. Oh, maybe. Or to be angry at least. <laughs> and no, this is not a confession. Don't use it against me later. I love how you went straight to imagine angry and I just want justification if I murder anybody and I'm like oh maybe it's because we were all feeling extra love during the holiday season and we just can feel compassion towards anybody now that's why we make a good team a yin and a yang Uh, but you know that I always prefer a case with a confession and in this case the confessions just make it even harder to decipher who was responsible for the murder oh wow so today we're going to talk about the well-known murder of Claudine or Dee Dee Blanchard Are you familiar with the case? I actually am familiar with this case. I thought you might have been. There have been so many TV series, features, and documentaries about it that it seems that most people have heard this case. And that is not surprising because of the truly unusual circumstances that surround this murder. So tell me, what do you know about it? Well, I have watched a few documentaries, but it's been a while. So I'm glad to get refreshed on the case. But from what I remember, it was about a mom who kind of kept her daughter hostage, keeping her sick, making her feel like she's sick and scamming insurance companies and things like that. And then the daughter has enough and they decide to murder her mom to get her free. And that's a good summary. And the most often point of view taken when this case gets talked about. 
Yeah, you kind of almost feel sorry for Gypsy Rose. And the mom who gets murdered is portrayed as the dirtbag. Because of the fraud and the abuse that Gypsy Rose suffered at the hands of her mother was so unthinkable. It's only natural that we want to know how and why it could occur. And for some, it even makes Dee Dee's murder seem justifiable because she was so awful to her. Right. But today we're going to focus on the one who actually wielded the knife, Nicholas P. Godijohn. Ooh, that's a new take. I'm excited. I'm curious if you believe he is guilty or responsible for the murder or if he was just another victim of these very bizarre collision of circumstances for these three individuals. Ooh. Nicholas P. Godijohn was born on May 20th, 1989 in Wisconsin in the United States. When he was little, it was noticed that there was something a little different about Nick and the way that he interacted with the world around him. He was diagnosed with autism at an early age and received special education throughout his school years. He had few friends and found social situations overwhelming. He described himself as being gullible and it was recognized that relationships were very one-sided with Nick and that he was very stiff during interactions, which made him appear odd to others. Oh, that's a rough start. He had a low level of cognition and was considered to have a diminished capacity. Around the age of 14, Nick says that he began to notice something that he didn't recognize in his eye, a shadow that wanted him to know that it was there. Oh. His parents sought out help for him, and he was examined at the age of 15, and the therapist suggested that Nick had Asperger's, but didn't really go into any more of personality disorders. Oh, and is that a symptom of Asperger's? No, not at all. That's curious. And I think it's even more curious in light of his confession later on. Oh, okay. But all psychologists would kind of rule out that he had any kind of personality disorder is his oddities were just due to his Asperger's. In 2009, this diagnosis was confirmed by a separate psychiatrist and Nick was granted social security for it because of his limited ability for employment. So it was well documented that he had autism. Yeah, and it sounds like he was actually getting the help that could be provided for him. Yeah. In 2013, Nick pled no contact to disorderly conduct when he was caught watching porn and touching himself inappropriately at a McDonald's for over <gasps> seven hours. What? Yes. Oh, no. Seven hours seven in a McDonald's yeah. where the kids are eating their little Happy Meals? Mm-hmm. Why'd they let it go on for seven hours? I have no idea. And how does he have stamina for seven hours? Uh, apparently he has a lot of stamina because he talks about that later on. Oh, my Lanta. That's crazy. And what was he, a teenager at this time? or No, he's an adult. Ew. Don't do that in a McDonald's, you guys. He's... Let the kids play on the playhouse <laughs> and eat their Happy Meals in peace. I think this is just, yeah, he's a creepy guy. And I think it shows sex is a motivation for him or that he has a... He has a high interest in sexual pleasure. Yeah, but it also shows that he just doesn't have an understanding of that wasn't appropriate. Right. Right. He's yeah. in a public place fondling himself. Ooh. And a McDonald's. Like, it's not like the women's department at the Bay. You well, know? Like, it's <laughs> McDonald's. Well, it has free Wi-Fi, right? At McDonald's? Oh, right. Because he's watching porn. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> ooh, was... Nicholas. Ooh. <laughs> When he was taken into custody, he was found to have a concealed small switchblade in his pocket. Maybe he was just playing with the knife. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he was doing. No. But that's more why he was actually charged was because he had this concealed weapon in his pocket. Can't bite my tongue on that one. <laughs> Whether he was playing with his knife or his sword, he was charged for it. 
It was during this time period in his life that Nick was frequently in contact with his online girlfriend, Gypsy, a girl that he had met on an online Christian dating site in 2012. The two had hit it off right away and quickly became boyfriend and girlfriend in the online world. Gypsy was unlike anyone he had ever met. She reveals things about herself that makes Nicholas want to protect her, and with her, he explores his dark fantasies in an online environment of alter egos and role-playing videos that they share between the two of them. Right. But before we get too deep into the relationship between Nick and Gypsy, I think it's pivotal to this case to understand who Gypsy is and what her history was. And I think that's where most people know the story. Right. That's usually where podcasters or reporters start is with Gypsy. Yeah. So Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born on July 27, 1991 to Claudine and Rod Blanchard in Golden Meadow, Louisiana. Rod was 17 years of age when Claudine, or Dee Dee, as she was later to be known, became pregnant. And shortly after the two were married, he realized that it was a big mistake to get married. And he left before Gypsy was born. Oh, wow. Dirtbag. He attempted to stay in the child's life and would provide child support payments. But his interactions with Gypsy were pretty limited and the majority of Gypsy's care would fall on her mother. At the age of three months, Dee Dee would become convinced that Gypsy was sick. From that time forward, Dee Dee would claim that Gypsy would suffer from a wide range of diseases that she would insist to doctors that her daughter had, despite there not being any medical evidence of any of them. And these aren't little colds that Dee Dee's claiming that Gypsy has. She told Rod that Gypsy had leukemia and muscular dystrophy. Wow. And all of these things are things that you can prove with tests. For sure. But he obviously never went to the doctors and tried to get any information on his own. No. And Dee Dee was quite convincing. It wasn't just Rod that she pulled the wool over his eyes, but it was all these doctors as well. When doctors would start to ask questions and pry deeper into Gypsy's health, Dee Dee would change doctors or even clinics. She had training as a practical nurse and was very convincing when she presented her cases to other healthcare professionals. She was so convincing that Gypsy was operated on repeatedly because of Dee Dee's claims. What? Mm -hmm. A doctor would actually operate without making that diagnosis himself or herself? They would just kind of go off what Dee Dee was telling them. That's kind of unheard of, isn't it? Like she must have been some convincing. So bizarre. That is bizarre. And she would change clinics a lot. And so if you remember, this is back in the early 90s. There wasn't the connection that we have today between different medical systems. Right. So it's not like I can send my report over. Right. So bizarre, though, that she got away with this for so long. That is wild. So based on Dee Dee's claims of Gypsy's ailments, Gypsy actually had surgery done on her eyes, ears, and salivary glands. (gasps) That's crazy. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of the things that she would claim were a result of Gypsy's muscular dystrophy. But she had biopsies done and all of them were negative. She never had muscular dystrophy. And when they went into operate, wouldn't they have seen that there was nothing to fix? You would think so, but yeah. this just kept happening over and over. The She's system just, failed. Yeah. Or she was just able to detect all the Cracker Jack doctors out there. Maybe. You would get good at finding the ones that you knew were going to believe you. Right. And just wanted the payday, maybe. So because she claimed that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy, she made Gypsy use only a walker until she was at the age of seven. And then when Gypsy was seven, she was in a minor motorcycle accident with her maternal grandfather. By Gypsy's account, she skinned her leg during this accident. Her mother rushed her to the hospital, and when they returned, Gypsy was in a wheelchair at the urging of the doctors, or so her mother told everyone else. And from that time forward, Gypsy would be confined to a wheelchair. That is so sad. Yeah. For a little scratch on her leg. Right from a very early age, Gypsy was made to believe that she was an invalid. I wonder if her mom enjoyed the attention that she got being a single mom with a sick child. I think that's exactly it. 
And we'll go into that. When Didi needed proof of certain symptoms, she would fabricate them. She would convince doctors of the need to operate on Gypsy's salivary glands to control Gypsy's drooling by rubbing numbing cream all over Gypsy's mouth prior to doctor's visits. <gasps> and so then when they went into the offices, Gypsy would be drooling because she couldn't control her mouth because it was frozen. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't that cause her harm? Like to operate on those glands and then she doesn't have enough saliva? Absolutely. Oh, that's cruel. She would shave her hair to match the cancer stories that she told and encourage Gypsy to act younger than she was to convince people that she had brain damage and the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. That's crazy. That's despicable, really. It is so awful what yeah, happens to Gypsy. She would also give Gypsy medication that she had no need of, and it would cause severe side effects. It's believed that Gypsy's teeth rotted out because of lack of nutrition and a medication that she was being given for epilepsy, a condition she never had. And if she doesn't have enough saliva there, either it's not cleaning off her teeth that's crazy so this will go into your theory christy okay the attention dd received from having a sick child was what she craved and she received a lot of attention for it gypsy and her mother were an inspiring story of perseverance faith and love after hurricane katrina hit their home in 2005 in sladell they were recipients of multiple charitable donations trips and experiences in march 2008 they had a home built for them by habitat for humanity in springfield missouri on west volunteer your way wow so they were really cashing in on this sob story of this single mom raising her daughter who's wheelchair bound and had all these ailments and needed all this money for medical treatments that in fact she never actually needed it in the first place right and they just lost their home to hurricane katrina too and Didi would tell the story that gypsy's dad was this deadbeat drug addicted abusive person that they were hiding from oh my goodness and in fact the whole time he was sending them child support payments shame on her because that is such a horrible thing when that happens when a woman has to flee a domestic violence case and so to lie about it that just gets me riled when women do that well it just makes it so that other people won't believe people that are actually in those situations right, right. yeah it's so awful and so when we talk about like who's the victim in this case and who's the dirtbag definitely dd was a dirtbag for sure but does being a dirtbag warrant getting murdered that's the real question and i think we would would all agree that no it doesn't no. <laughs> murder's never the answer no but i want you to remember that statement because that also applies to gypsy then too that murder is never the answer because what she goes on to decide is to kill her mother right no i still agree like yeah. murder is not the not answer. the answer yeah there was a hundred other million that, other choices there was a million other choices like our friend kim toller says yeah oh, that she yeah. could have taken so over the course of her childhood, Gypsy was seen by over 150 doctors and all of the documented reports say that the history of illness was provided by mother. So very rarely would Gypsy actually ever say anything during her doctor's appointment. She was just told to play quietly as a child. Wow. Well, mm. and she wants her to appear younger. And that's what a younger kid would do. Just play and let mom talk. Mm -hmm. There were people that raised questions about the mother-daughter pair, but not many. Most were under Dee Dee's spell. There was one pediatrician who actually felt that Dee Dee might have Munchausen's by proxy, and it's largely believed that he was accurate. So Munchausen disease by proxy is now known as fictitious disorder imposed on another. It is a disease characterized by a caregiver that fabricates or causes an illness or injury to a person under their care for attention or sympathy, often subjecting the victim to unnecessary medical treatments. Yeah, that totally fits. Yeah, I would strongly agree yeah. <laughs> that that's what she had. Gypsy's then believing that she has all of these illnesses. 
I think that's where the question comes in. How do you believe that you can't walk when you actually can? That's true. But you can be indoctrinated at a very, very young age. I was going to say, if that's been ingrained in you since you were young, would you even try? But how much did she know that they were getting? And how much did she understand what her mother was doing was wrong? Right. Especially as she becomes an adult. When Gypsy turned 18... Dee Dee had legal papers drawn up that said that Gypsy was incompetent to make her own decisions based on her diminished mental capacity and in that way retained control over all of Gypsy's life. Yeah, that's crazy. And crazy enough that she actually convinced people that this child or actually now this grown adult could not make decisions for herself. Wow. Because to do that, usually you have to interview that person. And so Gypsy's story was so convincing that a judge actually granted this. Right. And so Gypsy must not have protested. No, she had to go along with the story for this to happen. Yeah. And actually on her 18th birthday, her dad called to say happy birthday. And Dee Dee asked him not to tell Gypsy that she was 18, that she believed that she was 14 at the time. That's how messed up her perception of reality was. Right. And if you're being lied to your whole life, how do you start to know what's real and what isn't? Right. Dee Dee actually had her believing that she was four years younger than she actually was. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, she probably wanted those payments longer. And she had tried to keep Gypsy looking like this little child the whole time. And she actually withheld food to make sure that her stature was smaller. Oh. Yeah. And it does work. She looks a lot younger than she is. Well, and she has this really, really high pitched voice. So she just naturally sounds younger as well. In February 2011, at the age of 19, Gypsy and Dee Dee attended a science fiction convention. At the time, Dee Dee was portraying that Gypsy was only 15. According to Gypsy, she tried to escape her mother during this convention by going back to a hotel room with a 35-year-old man that she met online and had been communicating with. Mm. So I think that this really plays into she didn't like the life that she was having to live. Right. Because she did try to escape. Well, and let's face it, she is a victim right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Her mother interrupted the interaction, though, and provided fraudulent paperwork to say that Gypsy was a minor. And the man let Dee Dee take Gypsy with her. Oh. So when Gypsy convinced this man to help her get away, he thought he was helping an adult. Which he was. But Dee Dee showed up and showed him paperwork that said she was only 15. Yikes. And of course, that would scare him away. Yeah. And so he's like, the girl who's 15. That's right. So, yeah, you need to go home with your mother because you're only 15. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And there were reports that when she went missing, it was this huge thing that this man was taking advantage of this poor girl that needed protection. And this man was a complete dirtbag. And really, he was trying to help somebody that actually needed help. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. is sad. And looking back, all of this could have been avoided if he was able to successfully help her get out of the situation. But I do find it interesting that they went back to his hotel room and... Yeah, but she was 19. I mean, yeah, it's creepy, but she's 19. But knowing what goes on later between her and Nick, I think it also tells you a little bit about Gypsy's personality. And maybe she isn't as innocent as everybody assumes she is. Right. Play the damsel in distress, which she kind of was, though. So even saying that, I don't know if I feel right saying that. But getting that attention from men, knowing how to get that help from them. It's crazy. And this is one of those cases that you're like, I don't want to victim blame. But at the same time, to understand what's actually going on in their minds is so difficult. Right. But I guess, like you said, the question is, how much did Gypsy know? Right. But if she's trying to get away. Doesn't that tell you, though, that she had some idea that this wasn't an okay lifestyle if she was trying to get away? Yeah, it does Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, there's a lot to consider with this one, right? There's so many different avenues. Yeah, because I feel like my middle daughter is 18. And if she wanted to leave, I could not stop her. I don't think I could hold her back. (laughs) 
you know, like, <laughs> yep. how could I actually stop her from leaving? It's true. Yeah. Other than like chains, you know, like, <laughs> well, and then that's a whole nother story. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because Dee Dee was furious after this incident and she actually caused a public spectacle at the convention going as far to smash the family computer with a hammer and would no longer allow Gypsy to interact online with any of her friends. Right. Because she met this guy online. Dee Dee was getting more and more abusive towards Gypsy. Gypsy recalls that it was in 2011. So around the time of this convention that the physical abuse started. Dee Dee would hit her with coat hangers and chain her to her bed for weeks <gasps> at a time. <laughs> so she would chain her. She actually did have to restrain this 19 year old to keep her at home. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. See, and then that supports the idea of her being a victim. It does, but it does show that she knew what they were doing was wrong, but she still continued to go along with the story. But did she have much of a choice if she's being beaten and, and chained to her bed? You no. wouldn't think so. No. And Stockholm Syndrome is a huge thing. And then if that's your mother, like that's out of control. There are so many different layers to this yeah, crime. Crazy. Mm -hmm. After the incident with the older man, Gypsy got more and more sneaky about her online interactions, fearing her mother's wrath. She created a fake Facebook page under the name of Emma Rose and confessed to her closest friend that she had met a boy on a Christian single dating site, christiansdatingforfree.com in 2012. At the time, she believed that she was only 18 and Nick at the time was 24. During their online interactions, Nick introduces Gypsy to the idea of alter egos. He was a 500-year-old vampire named Victor and had a dark side. Gypsy claims that she would come up with her own alter egos just to please him. The two would use their alter egos to escape their reality. In an online world, Nick was not socially inept, but was a confident and powerful person. Gypsy's alter egos took multiple forms. Kitty was her childish side. Demona was a half werewolf, half human. Ruby was her violent side, and Candy was her slutty side. Whoa. These alter egos allowed her a world where she could escape the wheelchair and interact with friends that were denied to her. Their alter egos took on a world of their own and created an environment where both Nick and Gypsy would explore their every fantasy, and the two found excitement in exploring scenarios of BDSM. Wow. In role plays, Nick was master and Gypsy was a slave. He even sent her a bill of sale to say that he owned her, and scripts that she should act out. She would also send him scripts to act out as well and they would play them out, videotape them and then send them to each other in their alter egos. Oh. It was like role playing at a whole nother level. Yeah. It wasn't just their online persona that would act it out. They would act it out themselves physically and then send them the video. That's right. Okay. So there was this blurring of these online alter egos with their reality. Right. Which is really interesting if you think about it because Gypsy already has an altered perception of what reality is because of the way that Dee Dee's raised her and had her living a lie for so long that her reality is already messed up. That's true. She already is living an alter ego. And Nick doesn't really have the mental capacity if you think about his autism. Right. And so now you have these two individuals that are playing out these scenarios in real life and blurring the lines. Right. As the two lived in their online world, they began to make plans for their real future. They wanted to be together. Gypsy started to steal baby clothes from Walmart in preparation to start a life and a family with Nick. Dee Dee had taught her that it was okay to steal. There's reports that Dee Dee was also a petty thief. Well, I believe and that. And so Gypsy just learned that at her hand and it was just a natural progression for her to do that as well. Yeah. And that way then too, her mom wouldn't know that she's getting these things. But how was she going to Walmart on her own in her wheelchair? Well, her mom would take her. Oh, and then 
she would just on the sly hide things in her wheelchair. Yeah. I was just going to say that the wheelchair gave her a place to hide those things. And who's going to think of stopping a girl in a wheelchair? Yeah. It was the perfect guys for her. In March 2015, Gypsy sent Nick $400 to come to Springfield with the plan in mind of Nick meeting her mom and convincing Dee Dee that the two of them should be allowed to have a relationship. At the time, Gypsy was really 23 and Nick was 26. Definitely an age where she should be moving on and having her own relationships in her own life. Absolutely. As Gypsy went through her relationship with Nick, at some point she kind of suspects that she's not as young as her mom is telling her. But it's really not clear when that realization came. But at some point she comes to believe that maybe she isn't 19 like her mom is telling her. But she really doesn't know what age she is because her mom has all these fraudulent documents at the house. That's true. So she can't even go look for her birth certificate because which one's the real one? So it's not really clear if Gypsy at this time was still confused about her age and believed that she was 19 or if she was fully aware that she was 23 now. Okay. Unfortunately, the plan failed miserably. Nick met Gypsy and her mom at an orchestrated chance meeting at a movie theater that was showing the children's movie Cinderella. Oh, no. Dee Dee found the fact that a grown man going to a children's movie alone disturbing and disapproved of him almost immediately. Oh, she should have heard the McDonald's story. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently Dee Dee didn't like him very much. Well, I don't think Dee Dee ever had any plans of letting Gypsy out of her care. Oh, probably not. And this would be an immediate threat to that. Mm -hmm. The visit wasn't a complete bust in the two young lovers' eyes because they did manage to sneak away to a public bathroom and have sex behind Dee Dee's back. And this is the differences between their confessions. By Nick's account, it was Gypsy's idea to pull him into the bathroom. And by Gypsy's account, they just had sex. See, and that's just the thing, too. Like, if you're in a wheelchair, it's not that easy to just run into the bathroom if you can't walk and have sex. I would imagine that there would be some semantics to that. (laughs) You would imagine, right? You haven't done that. I'm not in a wheelchair, (laughs) but... Hey, I'm going to bury myself here. But just the semantics of that. How do you have sex in a bathroom stall or wherever if one person can't even hold themselves up? But at this time, Nick knew that Gypsy could walk. She had told him that. Oh, so she is believing that she can walk and that Yeah, kind of she stuff knows this, this whole time that she can walk. Oh, okay. She just chooses not to in front of people because she fears her mom. I mean, I knew that she could. So yeah. it makes sense. But okay. Well, and I think that even this question of whether she knew she could walk, did she walk? Was she using the wheelchair just to keep her mom happy? All goes into whether she believed this kind of lie that she was living as well. Right. Because really, she is a 23-year-old woman who can walk. She could have walked out the door at any time. Right. And she knew she could walk out the door at any time. And I think, too, that this just goes into play on Gypsy knew how to read people and how to play them. Right. Because she knew what Nick would want. Right. Well, she's learning from a manipulator. So that would be a skill that she'd be learning from her mom. Yeah. Dee Dee and Gypsy would fight for weeks after the event at the movie theater. So Dee Dee didn't actually know that they had sex, but she knew that Gypsy had arranged this chance meeting. Okay. And so they would fight for weeks after it. After their plan A of being together failed, the two would begin to communicate in detail about a plan for Gypsy to escape from under Dee Dee's thumb. Plan B. A plan B began to take form. Gypsy, in previous conversations, had mentioned thinking about her mother being dead as far back as May 2014. So they have documented records of where Gypsy has had this thought before in their texting. But now she couldn't stop thinking about it. While talking late one night, Nick told Gypsy that he would do anything to protect her. And she asked him anything. And he said, yep. And Gypsy said, 
from anybody? And he said, yeah, even my mom. And he said, yes. According to Gypsy, that's when this plan started to develop into a murder plot. After discussing oh. alternatives, they decided that Dee Dee would have to die for them to be together. Yeah, you can see how this unfolded. She's kind of taking advantage of his willingness to do anything for her and not really knowing any better. Yeah, I don't think there's any question of him being taken advantage of, but did she knowingly take advantage of him? Like, was she purposely trying to manipulate him into being her knight in shining armor? Or was it that she was just, this is just how she was raised? Even those texts that you just read, her line of questioning is manipulative because it's starting with, you know, would you do anything for me? It's so leading, yes. right? You know, yeah. With anybody? Yes. Even my mom. So she's, because then if he says no, he's now a liar in his answer to those other previous questions. Mm -hmm. So she's goading him into that. She's building him up into it, right? Yeah. And you have to remember that he has a diminished capacity. Yeah. That would just be a natural progression for him. If Like, yeah, I would do that. So yeah, I would do that. So yeah, of course I would do that. Right. There were other plans that were suggested by both Gypsy and by Nick, but each were subsequently rejected by the other person. Nick suggested that Gypsy just run away and be with him, but she convinced him that her mother would never let her get away. Gypsy suggested a plan C, that she get pregnant, and then her mom would have to let Nick into her life. But Nick didn't feel that this would work out, and he wouldn't be allowed to by his mom. Oh my goodness. So that's why they didn't go forward with that plan. Right. Because he didn't feel like his mom would let him have a baby out of wedlock. <laughs> it just speaks to not that where his mom he's would, at. Yeah, it does. Right? But, yeah. But why does he not think that his mom is going to allow him to murder somebody? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Dee Dee's death was the only way that Gypsy could see of getting away from her mom, and she discussed this with Nick in detail. She told Nick that he would have to be the one to do the actual killing because she couldn't handle the sight of blood and was too squeamish. They discussed a few different methods, poison and shooting, and finally settled with Nick deciding that stabbing would be best. Ooh. After researching weapons and bondage shapes in May 2015, Nick made the request for Gypsy to obtain a machete, a taser, and a specific kind of bondage tape. So all this is done through their Facebook accounts and texting, and so that there's actual record of their yeah. planning. Guess what? They didn't get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Killing 101. <laughs> Don't text each other your entire plan. <laughs> but they did. <laughs> Gypsy stole $1,000 from her mom and sent it to Nick through the mail to purchase a bus ticket to come to Springfield, which he did on June 8th. For two days, he stayed at a Days Inn motel, and during that time, he and Gypsy messaged back and forth and finalized their plans. As Nick started to get nervous about the money running out, he encouraged Gypsy to move up the date of the planned murder, and she agreed that he would come by the house that night on June 10th to do the deed. So after deciding that they would move up the date, they discussed what she would be wearing when he arrived and she provided some encouraging words to him. Ooh. So there's this whole sexual undertone of their yeah. whole relationship, which I think goes back to him masturbating at a McDonald's. That was like a motivating factor for him. Yeah. Around 3 a.m. in the morning on June 10th, Nick came to Gypsy's house wearing a black spring jacket over a black clown t-shirt. No. Yeah. I thought that would creep you out. Ooh. He was also wearing black pants and white tennis shoes. If I ever get murdered by a guy wearing a clown t-shirt, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> Christy does not do clowns. No. 
Gypsy met him at the door, handing him a black and red serrated fishing knife with a six-inch blade that she had previously stolen from Walmart. She had thought the machete would be too difficult to steal, even in her wheelchair. Gypsy gave Nick gloves and had him put them on before handing him the knife. He immediately walked down the hall and paused briefly before entering Dee Dee's room to reflect while Gypsy hid in the bathroom. He entered the room while Gypsy's mother was asleep, crawled onto her frame, and straddled her back, and began viciously stabbing her repeatedly, oh. calling out, You're dead to me. Stop resisting. You know you're dead. And don't get between me and Ruby. <gasps> By him calling out Ruby's name, you see the blur of these online alter egos. Right. And she was behaving like Ruby that day, right? Because that's her violent one. That's her dark one. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Nick really did believe that they were just this love match destined to be together because not only had Nick and Gypsy fallen in love, but Ruby and Victor had fallen in love. Right. During the first of the attack, Dee Dee called out for Gypsy. But as she suffered, more and more injuries were inflicted and she began to suffocate on her own blood. Her cries began to become just mumbles of pain and terror. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. What a horrifying way for her mom to be murdered. And no matter what she had done before, is that justification for this death? No, it's not. No, we joke about it. But no, there is no justification for murder. No, not at all. Mm -mm. You know, they could have just run off together. They could have done that. She could walk. She could have walked away. Yeah, even if she couldn't, they still could have run off together. They could have found a way to do that. They just needed to make a different plan. Yeah. Yeah, Dee Dee did not have to be stabbed to death. No. But Gypsy had convinced Nick that that was the only way. Oh, for sure. And when you're playing in these alter egos that are both violent, Victor and Ruby, they were more than willing to go the violent way. And they probably felt a diminished responsibility because it was their alter ego. It's not just me, right? No, that's Victor. That's Ruby. That's exactly it. And that comes out in Nick's confession later on. Oh, does it? Mm -hmm. When Nick was convinced that Dee Dee was dead, he went to the bathroom door, knocked three times, and then scratched twice. This was a secret code the pair had agreed on beforehand. Nick was made to wait while Gypsy shaves her legs and her private parts. She eventually opens the door. That's crazy. That's so bizarre. Like, you know, your mo- you've just heard your mother scream her last screams and die. Well, and remember that for when her confession comes out, because she says later on that she is just so distraught over her mom being killed and that, yeah, she yeah, she right. wanted to get away, but she didn't think that Nick would go this far. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. You sat and shaved your legs. And got your nether regions all ready for sex afterwards. And yeah. baloney. Yeah. As Bianca Del Rio would say, baloney. <laughs> <laughs> She's my favorite drag queen. It just doesn't add up, right? No, it doesn't. Not at all. No. And then like if you're, you've are you just murdered your mom, that's not normally a sexual arousing thing. Right? Nope. So that shows to what state she's in too. So Nick actually had an explanation during his confession about why she would do these things. And it was because her mom never allowed her to do it. Well, yeah. Mom's gone. Now I can Now I can shave my legs. Yeah. yeah. So she eventually opens the door and after attempting to clean up, the two of them went to Gypsy's room where they removed all of her stuffed animals off the bed and had sex several times. Prior to leaving the house, Gypsy packs their bags, stole $4,000 from her mother's safe, and removed several of her pictures from the house so police would believe that she had disappeared. Which I totally didn't understand this, but that was her reasoning for removing pictures of herself from the house. What do you mean she had disappeared? Like that she had run off or was kidnapped or what? She wanted to make the police believe that she had been taken or kidnapped. Yeah, but when you kidnap someone, you don't go around the house grabbing their pictures. You have the person. You can take your own pictures. Right. So again, where is her frame of mind? 
mind. Is she actually yeah, thinking silly. right? Or is does she have a childish frame of mind? Yeah. And did he shower first? Like you said, they cleaned up. But did he shower first? Because he would have been like covered in nope. blood and stuff while they're no, he just took having his clothes this off. romp. Ugh. The investigating officer actually has. So like, did you still have blood on you when you had sex? It's like, no, I took off those clothes. But like, did you no. shower? No. There would still be blood splatter on you. Yep. Ugh. How disturbing that both of them recall that they had to remove her stuffed animals from her bed. But if it's the story, of course she would have stuffed animals on her bed. The two then called a cab and were dropped off at the Days Inn Motel where Nick had been previously staying. The cab driver would later comment that neither looked upset and that Gypsy appeared to be the ringleader, making the decisions. When they arrived at the hotel, Gypsy sends Nick to secure the room for an additional night while she waits outside. And she says that she waits outside because she's afraid of being seen. So she knew enough not to be seen after the murder because she wanted to create this story that she had disappeared and been taken by whoever killed her mom. Right. Again, it speaks to that she knows enough that she's creating the story. Oh, yeah. And if she's hiding out and doing all these things, she totally knows. Mm -hmm. The two face a little bump in the escape plan when the returning bus to Wisconsin that Nick had already had a ticket for doesn't have enough room for Gypsy on it. So they have to change the ticket for one day later. So oh, she, had, okay. they had planned for her just to jump on the bus that day and go home with him. But there was no room for her on the bus. <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine you've just done this murder? You're going to go on the run. Sorry. There's no room for you on the bus. What? But even not having that forethought of, well, then we'll go somewhere else. Or booking two tickets. Yeah. Or like ahead of time. Well, he just probably got his return ticket. And With that, his, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, we'll just get her ticket on the way. Because what are the chances, really, that it's sold out? <laughs> but that's what happened. So they use this time to visit the post office and mail the murder weapon to Nick at his home address. Gypsy has insisted that this is because she was afraid of taking it in their luggage on the bus. And Nick had assumed that they would eventually dispose of it somewhere. So what did it matter if they mailed it to him later? They would just get rid of it when they got back to his place. So they mailed it to his house. Yeah, to his name. <laughs> They also had to get some supplies for their extended stay. So they go to Walmart where, again, Gypsy waits outside because she doesn't want to be seen. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But who's going to steal their food? I don't know. Nick doesn't have a wheelchair to hide it in, that's for sure. In the room, both Gypsy and Nick say that they shed tears over what they had just done. Nick said in a recent 2020 interview that I felt horrible about it. When me and her were in the hotel room, she just kept telling me, stop crying, stop crying. There's no reason to cry. It was my idea. It wasn't yours. Gypsy comforted me about it. Oh, but that's easy for Gypsy to say because she hid in the bathroom. Like a little punk. Yeah. Well, her boyfriend murdered her mom. He's yeah. the one that got all bloody. He's the one that had to be there fighting her and stabbing her to death. And will have that vivid memory. Yeah. All the time. Forever. Yeah. That would be haunting. Mm -hmm. Not that her mother's screams probably wouldn't be haunting for her to, as well, but still but not to the same extent. Totally different level. Yeah. The next morning before catching the bus, they go to a Waffle House for breakfast. So they're just going about their regular life now. Yeah. The two travel to Big Bend, Missouri, where Nick's parents live and arrive on June 13th. When Nick's mom picks them up at the bus station, they tell her that Dee Dee has kicked Gypsy out. The knife they mailed has arrived before they did. And a family member has put the package aside for Nick to open, not knowing what it contained. <gasps> they hide the knife in Nick's closet and hang out for two days. Can you imagine being that mom like, hi, dear, you know, welcoming his girlfriend, yeah. you know, with open arms and how awful this package of this murder weapon sitting on your kitchen counter waiting for him to come home. Oh, I wonder what her thoughts were after. 
the stepdad and Nick's mom are interviewed right at the very beginning when Nick and Gypsy are taken into custody. But then after that, there's really not a lot of statements provided by them. Yeah. But from those interviews, it looks like they were just totally flabbergasted. They had no idea of what was going on. Oh, I totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. They both admit that they knew that Gypsy could walk because she walked as soon as they saw her. Yeah. But they didn't know all of the past history that she was supposed to be in a wheelchair or that they had committed this murder or planned it or any of the alter egos or anything like that. So once they arrived to Nick's house, Gypsy felt the need to alert authorities to her mother's death. She did this using her mother's Facebook account. She posted a very disturbing message. Do you remember what the message was? No, I don't. That the biatch is dead. And Wow. Yeah. And friends and followers on Dee Dee's page questioned this right away because this was so out of character for Dee Dee's language. A neighbor would break into the house and check on Dee Dee and Gypsy and find them both missing. And he called the police. So he just kind of, he didn't go into the bedrooms, but he did just a quick search and nope, they're not there. And what he found most disturbing and why he went to the police right away is because Gypsy's wheelchairs were all at the house. Yeah. And so where was she if she didn't have her wheelchair? And when they were first reported missing... There is this huge investigation about who has taken this wheelchair-bound, invalid little girl and murdered her mom. Yeah, because that is what it would look like. Police found Dee Dee's lifeless body on June 14th, and it's believed that whoever had killed her had abducted the poor, defenseless gypsy. Many neighbors and friends feared for her safety, but it didn't take long for police to track down Nick and Gypsy. They had not been very effective at covering their trail, and the Facebook post had been traced to Nick's home in Big Ben, Wisconsin, using his IP address. Of course. So they knew exactly where to go. Yeah, and even if you have a missing person, you're going to look into their Facebook history, all their social media accounts, their messages, and they're going to see it all right there. That's right. When police surrounded the house with an armored vehicle and a canine unit, the two would-be lovers hid in the closet and jointly came up with a plan about what they would tell police. (laughs) Nick's mom and stepfather were shocked by the revelation that the two were suspected of murder and couldn't believe that Nick was involved because they had never known him to be violent in the past. The two acted completely normal the whole time they were in their presence. But if you think that your alter ego has done this and then you switch back to your other ego, they hadn't done it, right? So maybe that's what allowed them to act normal, but... I don't know how you can, though. After being taken into custody on June 15th and extradited back to Missouri, the two were separated and interviewed individually. The interrogation between the two suspects reveals different versions of how the events played out. And the tactics used by each of the different interrogating detectives were very clever and smart and are really well suited to extract a confession from each of the suspects. These confessions were done so well. It's really, really impressive what the police did. Oh, good. But it's during the confessions that you actually start to wonder, okay, who is actually in charge? Who was actually manipulated? Who who actually has responsibility for this murder? Gypsy was interviewed on June 15th at 11 a.m. And the interview lasted until June 16th at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, wow. It was a long interview. There was a temporary trip to the hospital to have Gypsy medically cleared because all reports was that she was this invalid that hadn't been taking her medication. All of it was left behind in the big cupboard that Dee Dee had for her. Their medicine cabinet was actually a closet, not a like over the sink medicine cabinet, but an actual full closet. I believe it. Yeah. You have all those pretend ailments. You're going to need a lot of medication but everybody was super worried about gypsy and so they actually took her to the hospital to have her medically cleared yeah to clear their butts too they yeah. would have to do that to make sure 
Gypsy is interviewed in an interrogation room. And I put big air quotes around that because it has a couch and a club chair. And there's even like this childish fish pillow on the couch. She's offered blankets and encouraged to just relax and rest. While she's waiting in the room by herself, she occupies herself with playing with the fish pillow like a child. And it's really hard to discern if this is just part of an act or if she's completely immature at this point. Well, she probably is immature. After just planning her mother's murder, it's really hard to believe, though, that she can be that childish. Where she's actually role-playing with a fish pillow. Yeah. It's so bizarre. bizarre. (laughs) The dichotomy of her personality continues as she plays like a child, but then has the forethought to create a story for the police. For the first part of the interview, she acts like she doesn't know what is happening. She repeatedly asks if her mom is okay and says she is worried about her because she is sick. And at one point, she asks the officer who's asking her questions if her mother has had a heart attack. So she's totally playing It, it up. The way she presents herself in the interrogation, it looks like she's trying to put on an act and remain all innocent for these police officers who are totally buying it because they put her in this nice cushy room. They're like, are you okay? Like, do you need anything to eat? Here, have this blanket, have a rest. This has been a great ordeal for you. Well, and she's been taught how to behave younger than she is. So I'm sure you're right. It's probably an act. She's playing with the fish pillow. Is my mommy okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As the interrogation continues, the officer works away at her resolve by telling her that she doesn't want to let down all the people that love her and want to care for her and that no matter what she has done, they will still love her, that they just need to know why her mom is dead. So that's the tactic that this police officer uses, and it works really well with her. She eventually breaks and begins to tell the story about how her mom and Nick didn't get along and that she is worried that he hurt her. So she's just throwing him under the bus. Mm -hmm. She creates an image of Nick as a radicalist that was on a mission to protect her from her mom and that he was a dangerous person that her mom had a sixth sense about because her mom told her that he was a head-in-the-closet kind of person. When she starts to open up about the murder... Her recollection is different from Nick's recollection and the evidence that would later be presented in court. So her story isn't substantiated. She tells police that Nick locked her in the bathroom and nods her head when the detective asked if she tried to stop Nick from hurting her mom. She claims repeatedly that she didn't know how violent he was, saying, I loved him so much, but now maybe he can get help for his violent ways. (gasps) Oh my goodness. After the murder, she tells investigators that Nick forced her to clean up the blood while she was naked, and then he raped her in her childhood bedroom. No. When Nick is interrogated, it's a completely different experience for him. He is put into an interrogation room with a small desk and two metal chairs. How you would expect an interrogation room to look. And he's treated how you would expect a murder suspect would be treated. When signing his consent, the word coercion has to be explained to him. And I thought that was so ironic. And his parents aren't there. No, they both are interviewed by themselves. Right. The investigator is crafty and picks up on his repeated inquiries to Gypsy's well-being, that this is the way to get at Nick's story. She tells him that, I don't think you love her as much as she loves you. Gypsy has told us everything, and now you should do the honorable thing. Do the right thing by her if you love her. It's not fair to Gypsy if you lie and she tells the truth. (laughs) And little does he know that Gypsy's actually throwing him under the bus. That's right. And at this time, it could be totally plausible that the police believe that Gypsy is telling the truth and it is Nick that's lying. Because at this time, they don't know that her illnesses are all made up. 
Yeah. And so maybe they really were trying to say like, okay, just come clean. You know, she's already told us the truth. Now you need to tell us the truth. Right. So after this lecture, Nick almost immediately starts spilling the story about how and why he murdered Dee Dee. And if he's been told that Gypsy's told the truth, he's just going to tell the truth. He's not going to go with this story that she fabricated because he doesn't even know what it is. No. And I don't think that he has the mental capacity to actually have that forethought to come up with a story to protect himself. Well, maybe though. I mean, he can come yeah. up with alter egos and storylines that way. Yeah, that's true. Between his declarations of love for Gypsy and saying that he worships her and that he would do anything for her, he tells the investigators that he stabbed her mom at her request and that he made more holes so that she would die faster. He remembered stabbing her at least four times really deep and slit the back of her neck. But in actuality, she was stabbed over 17 times. During the attack, he cut his right hand in the frenzy and he expresses remorse but says that he is happy that Gypsy is free from her mom's abuse and that he truly believes that this was the only way to get her free of her because gypsy convinced him that it was yeah that's the story she told him nick says that his alter ego his dark side victor is the one that is responsible for the murder and that it wasn't his good side he talks about having a good angel and a devil on his shoulder talking to him throughout the process Nick says that he used to take medication that he believed were for the voices that he heard in his head. But the investigator kind of determines that he was never officially diagnosed with any personality disorders. And that fact is confirmed by multiple psychiatrists later on. Okay. But I do think it speaks to that he actually believed he had multiple personalities. Yeah. He had created these alter egos to the point where he actually believed they were inside of him. Right. So he had become delusional in a sense. Mm -hmm. When asked where Gypsy was during the murder, Nick says she locked herself in the bathroom because both he and she decided it was the best place for her. She was squeamish and didn't like blood and he wanted her to be safe from his dark side. I just find that story more believable than her just saying, no, he locked me in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. When asked about his sexual appetites and Gypsy's claims that he wanted to rape her mom and she talked him into raping her instead, he admits that he has fantasized about rape and that he once thought of raping Dee Dee and even discussed it with Gypsy, but that he had changed his mind. He was, however, aware enough to note that Dee Dee didn't have any underwear on underneath her nightgown, but adamantly denies having sex with her at any time. And there was no physical physical evidence of sex right no no so it doesn't look like he raped her but gypsy the reasoning she gives police is that well he was going to rape my mom and so i let him rape me instead baloney (laughs) he tells the investigators embarrassingly that the whole time he was in springfield for the planned murder he had difficulties performing sexually he's obsessed with sex clearly and throughout his interview you just see how much that sex is a, a driving factor for him was he diagnosed as like a sex addict Later on, it comes out during the trial that one of the psychiatrists do believe that he is um, sexually motivated. Yeah. He says the sex that he and Gypsy had right after the murder was consensual, that Gypsy liked rough sex, and that she was playing out his fantasies about raping someone. So there is some story to like that they were playing out this rape scenario. Right. And who knows if it actually was consensual or if it wasn't or... Well, they took time to take the stuffed animals off the bed. Yeah. And she shaved her legs for it. Yeah. But she could have changed her mind halfway through. Yeah, it's true. But he reveals that he believes Gypsy climaxed during the sex, but that he didn't because of his stamina during these sexual encounters. So it's this really odd when he's telling this investigator about, oh, I couldn't perform sexually the whole time I was there. And he almost seems embarrassed when he's telling her that. But then later on, he's like, well, I, I, I didn't climax because of all of my stamina. That's why I didn't climax. That's odd. 
it is odd. Really, could he not perform sexually because he had just committed murder and that was interfering with everything? Or was it that he really did have a lot of stamina? What is it, a little blue pill? (laughs) (laughs) He does admit that he asked Gypsy to be ready and naked for him after the murder and that he was turned on by seeing her clean up the blood naked, but he never forced her to clean or do anything. It was with Gypsy's encouragement that he marked his territory by biting her body and that's how she got bruises on her arms and her legs. He says that Gypsy asked him to bite her in spots because it turned her on. And because it turned him on too, that's why he did it. Hmm. From his confession, it sounds like she specifically asked him, bite me here, bite me here. Because she has forethought. Was she doing that so that it would look like he had raped her? Well, that's where my questioning goes. Did he rape her? Do you know what I mean? Like it puts some doubt in there. And that's why I say these confessions, usually I like a case with confessions, but these confessions are just so all over the place that you don't know which story to believe. Right. And I think as the police did, it's just more natural to believe Gypsy because she's always been the victim and she is the victim of such awful abuse at her mother's hands. Right. And she's just frail and timid in this little delicate flower. When asked about the Facebook post that alerted others to Dee Dee's death, he said that it was Gypsy's idea because she wanted her mother found quickly and that he knew nothing about what she had planned to post prior to it being posted. He backed up his claim by saying that he did not have the password for the Facebook account because it was her mom's Facebook account. Gypsy would later claim that he had told her what to write, but he would deny it. I believe him on that. The contrast between the confessions is very evident. Gypsy appears vague with her answers and always tries to justify her negative actions and paint herself as the victim. Nick's confessions are very forthcoming and very detailed. He talks about several things that you would think most people would keep quiet about if they weren't asked the question specifically. Right. On June 29th, Gypsy pleads not guilty to first-degree murder. A week later, though, on July 5th, Gypsy changes her plea. She pleads guilty to a second-degree murder charge and was spared the trial. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison, the minimum sentence allowed for that confession. The minimum sentence? The minimum sentence. Because most of the prosecutors and the judge had just felt that she had been through too much. She had been traumatized her whole life by her mother. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. No, I know. Nick's trial did not start until November 2018. Despite psychiatrists that examined Nick in the past testifying that he was not competent to fully understand his actions, the judge ruled that he was criminally liable because he had planned and carried out a murder with the full understanding that what he did was wrong. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, he did know yeah. what he was doing was wrong. Nick's attorney argued that because of his low intellect, an IQ of 77, and that Nick was so in love with Gypsy that he would do anything for her, that Nick acted only to help the woman he loved. Gypsy testifies for Nick on November 15th and admits that it was her that asked him to kill her mother and that she actively took part in the planning and cleanup of the crime. But her lawyers paint a picture of Nick being just a substitute abuser that took advantage of Gypsy's vulnerable position, that he was just another person who she had to submit to. And so that's what she did. Yeah, I don't buy it. On cross-examination, she admits that the reason why the secret knock was developed for her to come out of the bathroom was because she was fearful that Nick would not be successful and would be overpowered by her mother. The whole time that she was on the stand, she avoids making eye contact with Nick, but he never breaks his gaze from her. That's sad. And now, I mean, she's already been sentenced. So now she's telling a bit more of the truth, right? Like, Yeah. So she wasn't forced to testify against him or for him based on her plea. She chose to do that of her own will. And so I do believe that she's trying to, to help him in some way, right? Right. But at the same time, I think it's just so ingrained in her to act the victim that she has to skew the story. 
Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that she got sentenced, like tried and sentenced first, because if her trial was still coming, she probably would have testified against him. Oh, probably. Yeah. That was smart how they orchestrated even that. She needed to be tried first or she would have kept throwing him under the bus. Yeah. During his trial, text messages between Nick and Gypsy reveal that the two discussed sex, the murder weapon, and Dee Dee's sleeping habits in the week prior to the murder. Nick reassures Gypsy that he will not fail, saying, Honey, I've got you. I'm ruthless. And my hatred of her will force her to die. It's my evil side doing it. He won't mess up because he enjoys killing. Nick is found guilty of first-degree murder after only two hours of deliberation. And on February 22, 2019, Nicholas P. Godijan was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and a concurrent 25-year life sentence on a charge of armed criminal action. Wow. So he gets the maximum. Yeah. And I just find this murder is so tragic on so many different levels. From the abuse that Gypsy suffered at the hands of her mother, which could be a whole episode in and of itself. Oh, for sure. To the questions about who was the mastermind and who, if anyone, was taken advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right from being taken into custody, Gypsy was treated like a child and a victim of the situation and treated very differently than Nick. And because of the abuse she suffered, she was given more sympathetic treatment and ultimately sentenced with compassion. Yeah. And the one thing that still continues to stick out to me is from his original interrogation, Nicholas's story has not changed significantly. But there were several incongruencies with Gypsy's account and where she puts the blame and how she chooses to spin the tale. Which would lead us to believe that he's being more truthful. Yeah, but he's the one that gets the maximum sentence. So is that justice? Yeah, it's that's a tough one. Yeah, okay, if you're looking at him individually, yeah, that's justice. But her not getting the maximum sentence is maybe where the injustice comes from. But then you can see how they take into account her whole life of abuse. Right. She was beaten and chained to a bed. But was he manipulated any less by Gypsy than Gypsy was manipulated by her mother? That's true. So how come that wasn't taken into account? I don't know. He didn't have the background abuse from her. Right. I don't think he was manipulated any less. It's pretty clear by her actions that she did manipulate him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. She did. Whether that was knowingly or not. Because right. I'm still not convinced that she knowingly manipulated him or if that was just how she was raised and that's how the only way she knew how to do things yeah that is what she was taught gypsy has appeared in many interviews and sold the rights to her story over and over again and it's pretty apparent that her story changes a little every time to make herself appear better in the public eye so she was able to profit off her crime Mm -hmm. And she's actually writing a book right now. Wow. Gypsy is currently in custody at the Women's Eastern Reception Diagnostic and Correctional Center in Vandalia, Missouri. She is perfectly healthy and flourishing. While she admits what she and Nick did was wrong, she doesn't believe that she should be punished as severely as she was. As severely? Ten mm -hmm. years, honey. For murdering somebody. Your mom. Yeah. Even if she was a dirtbag mom, you still had your mom murdered. In prison, she says she is happy and enjoying more freedom than she ever had living with with her mom which is so sad yeah but believable yeah she is allowed to pursue interests and relationships and is in fact engaged to be married to a man named ken really mm -hmm. i did not know that the two met through a pen pal program and the date of the wedding will be sometime after she is released from prison she will be eligible for parole at the end of 2023 and Soon. it's yeah and it's yeah. very likely that she'll be released then during visits with her father and stepmother they say that gypsy is still caught in small lies as she tells them about her life, Gypsy admits when asked why she didn't come forward and tell people about the abuse, she says that she was afraid that we were going to get in trouble. Yeah, so that's, because look at all the things that they've gotten mm -hmm. for their 
lies. Yeah, I can see that, really. Gypsy said, the line between right and wrong was kind of blurred because that's the way I was taught. I just grew up that way. Yeah. Of Nick, she says, he was very much like my mother in certain ways. Both of them were very controlling. And I feel like I was trained my whole life to do what I was told. I feel like he wanted that for a girlfriend. And so that's why she did all those things with him. It's not because she wanted to, but she was fulfilling a role for him. So it's hard to say if that's actually... It is actually... hard to say. She had all these alter egos. Maybe that was one of them. Yeah. It does make me question if the way she was raised and the skills she learned at her mother's hands have been used to her advantage, though. And if it was done with intention or not. Her past and her mannerisms and the appearance of being a victim earned her a minimum sentence for her plea. And all would probably agree that that is justice because of what she suffered. But, but doesn't that make you question if everyone has bought into her act and forget that she actually orchestrated the murder of her mother when she was perfectly capable of coming up with an alternative plan oh for sure mm -hmm. i think that we need to keep in mind that while nicholas godajan wielded the knife he was the one with low functioning emotional and social intelligence and there was no mercy in his sentencing no it's true yeah i do feel like she should have got the same as him they both or, planned it or more similar at least yeah because you do have to take into account her abuse mm -hmm. but there were other options. There were ways for her to get away. And with Nicholas, she had a, a venue to get away. Yeah. He could have just picked her up in the night. She could have snuck out, taken her back to his parents, told them the whole story. They could have helped her get some help. There, there was, was definitely easier and better choices to be made. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they chose instead to go with these alter egos that then they just kept pursuing more and more violent ways. Yeah. They just got wrapped up in that. And so why is she not as responsible just because she was abused in her past. Right. Of making good choices. Right. And how much of our past can we use as an excuse? And by all accounts, then, if she should be given a lighter sentence because of that, he should have been given a lighter sentence because of his deficits. Yeah, I agree. In a rare interview after his conviction, Nick says that he won't judge Gypsy for telling stories, that he still loves her but is no longer in love with her. He defends her by saying that she was brought up to play the victim and to lie, so that's what she's continuing to do. He regrets killing her mother but is still happy that Gypsy is out of the abusive relationship. He says that he regrets exploring the darker side with Gypsy and ultimately, because of how far I went, I feel like she's betrayed me and I feel like she's abandoned me. Yeah, she has. She, right from the start, was thrown him under the bus and she's going off to get married and here yeah. he committed murder for her because he loved her so much <laughs> and now he's gonna die in prison yeah and she's she gets to get out and live on with her life wow does he have possibility of parole or no no oh no possibility of parole wow and that is the perplexing case of nicholas godajan who murdered the mother of a woman he loved to free her from a lifetime abuse dirtbag or no i don't know <laughs> they're all dirtbags in their sense because of what they all did that's a tough one that's a crazy case and it was nice to hear more of nicholas's side of the story I think that it's important to tell that side of the story. And I think when you watch all the documentaries, you forget they're written from Gypsy's perspective with her rights to the story. Right. So it's her story. And his story really hasn't been told a lot. When you go back and actually watch those confession tapes, it's very evident, at least to me, he's just as gullible as she was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if not more so. Yeah, he is definitely, I mean, he's the murderer, but he's also a victim. Well, thanks for giving me a little bit more insight on the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. It's always fun to look at an old case through a different perspective. It's true. And check us out next week when Christy has another case. Definitely. There's a lot of dirt bags in the next case. Well, I'm excited to hear it next week. Well, that's it for us this week. We hope you guys have a wonderful week coming ahead and we will be back. See ya. Bye.
I have to react. Okay. React. <laughs> no, it's not real. <laughs> Truly unusual circumstance. Circumstances. Well, we are going to dig deep into the circumstances. <laughs> I do declare. Stupid run on sentences. You can do it. And as soon as you do it, a truck is going to go by. That's right. Or a train. <laughs> <laughs> Zoo wee ma. <laughs> but really, how can you blame them? Who doesn't? <laughs> Come on, Christy. I'm feeding you lines and you're supposed to give me the good material. (laughs) I I just take your words. (laughs) Now I sound like the smart one and not you. (laughs) You're like, it's a podcast, Christy. You can't just shake your head. Yeah. You have to speak words. You have to say something. (laughs) I'm like, was that your phone buzzing? Is that not yours? Nope, not mine. Mine sounds silent. Do you have a permit for that? questions about the mother the mother the mother hello mother hello father here i am at camp granada just <laughs> laughing about it well at least they got to use the wheelchair stall they had yeah. more room that wasn't in any of the reports <laughs> but i wonder if they did sorry i have the mur- <laughs> they mailed the murder victim <laughs> <laughs> they did not mail the murder victim how much postage would that cost she will be eligible for patrol patrol you're going to have fun deciding what stays in this and what goes out. Hey, we're live, pal. And we'd love for you to come check out our podcast, Tales from the Estate. Each week, we talk about our top five favorite somethings. My beautiful wife, Caitlin, likes to share all sorts of random facts. Yeah. Did you know that cows have accents? We did now. But we also review all sorts of snacks and other great things. And so if you love everything random, I think you'd enjoy Tales from the Estate. So come check us out. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.